Welcome to episode 768 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Rightio, team, welcome along to episode 768 of I Am Talk with Coach Sean Newsom, Bev and James Owls. I'm sure, did you listen to last week's show? I'm sure I you did not, no. Oh, it was quite no. good, no, it was great, but um, I totally forgot the ending at the end. Oh, dear. Like, like seriously, just went blank, I had to go to the website. <laughs> like, and it was like, for like 30 seconds, I'm like, I don't know what I'm meant to say here. No, he must have thought you're just a rookie. Well, he did. He was like, get out of here, rookie. And I was like, thanks, sir. Um, I'm Talk is proudly brought to you by... Our fantastic patrons. We've got Darren Double O Jones. Ian White Lightning Hersey. And we've got Phil with the Philinator Patterson. This week's show, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. There might be an interview, but this this interview we've tried to get on three times. Yep. They've let us down every day. We're not going to name names. <laughs> Not Mr. Reliable, let's put it that way. Uh, so we're not quite sure if that interview's going to be on. Uh, we've got Wang of the Week, questions and answers at the end. Jumbo News. Challenge Taiwan. I tell you what, this is a big race. It does really well, doesn't it? Huge numbers. Um, unfortunately, I can't give you any results because uh, the results that I saw were in Chinese and my grasp of the Chinese language in terms of reading it is non-existent uh, but it did look like they had thousands there they had a half they had a full they had some short course stuff you've got to take your hat off to Taiwan they've probably been the, the best country in the world in terms of their COVID response and seem to have things really well under control so good on them but we did have some racing in Challenge Grand Canary which I remember um, Brownlee did this race I think a couple of years ago looks spectacular who's Grand Canary John? Uh, well, I presume it's in the Canary Islands, um, okay. which, yeah, it just looks awesome. And we had some awesome racing as well. And you expect Jan Fredino to go out there and absolutely crush it. But for a change, he had a bit of a bit of a race on, really. Uh, he did lead out of the swim or was very close to the front out of the swim and then uh, got away a little bit on the bike. But then uh, a bunch of guys caught back up to him and uh, a few of them started to run together and it looked like he really had to work pretty hard on the run. He did clear out straight away, but he said he was pretty buggered at the finish. So And it wasn't a domination. He only won by a minute, basically, or 50 seconds. Mm. So, so, yeah, Fredino was first. Pablo Tapana Gonzalez was third. Nick Castellini from Australia was uh, third. What did I say? Yeah, it was third. Yep. Patrick Langer, I think he ran his way up. He was getting sort of close to the front and then faded a little bit. Fourth and Andy Boucher was in fifth. Now, so. was the race that was Ken Lay was racing as well? No. It was because last week they were advertising a challenge race where they got three, the top, the winners of Kona from since 2015. Right. Uh, no, we he was not was. there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, awesome guys race and very deep, strong field. Uh, the female side, Nicholas Spurrick had the fastest swim, the fastest bike, the fastest run and won overall by about five minutes in front of Sarissa DeVeers and Lisa Norton. So good on her. I imagine, and I don't really follow all these people on social media, uh, I think it was just a training day for her and she's probably going to be trying to make it to Tokyo, I imagine, uh, and see how she goes there. I'm sure she'll be a force, even though she is certainly will be the oldest athlete in the field, um, but still going strong. 
We actually covered um, Florida last week. Oh, you did? Oh, you're just a professional. We did. We, I actually did proper show notes. I went and did my work. Nice. Now, Houston was away. Now, guys, one thing I do have to say, Houston's being a soft cock this morning. He's walked in. It's he's saying, oh, my God, I put the heater on, guys. I'm about to get hypothermia sitting in the studios here. He's, look, he's, he's got his jeans. He's got his jersey on. He's got a T-shirt. I haven't worn jeans for a while. And, and you're cold. I am. And I was saying, Bevan, yesterday was the first day of the year I had to have a heater on in my office. So winter's coming. It's raining. It looks absolutely miserable out there and it is freezing and it's freezing inside and outside so there you go so harden up mate okay other news reef is no longer with sato and she's just put that down to it. it's just time to move on they have worked together for a long time they have and she's had great success uh so i think people will be speculating oh god they have big falling out but there was a really good article on uh, triathlete.com sort of going through that yeah it's just time to move on you know the lockdown everything's given her a different sort of slant on on life and where she wants to take things and it sounds like she's gone back to university and getting her finishing off her stuff there i think she's doing a master's as well uh so that was okay so then do you do we see a drop well and she said you know the 2018 she was feeling the pressure quite a bit more um and she doesn't sound like she's taking her training quite as intensely um that doesn't necessarily mean there's going to be a drop off in performance well not someone of her pedigree but Ultimately, there is a desire mm. that you need. Now, someone of her pedigree, she, you know, she could race at 90% and beat most. But And that's the thing. I think it, even if this break from Sutter, if she's not at her best, she's still so much better than everybody at the iron distance mm. that I think she'll be absolutely fine. The other interesting part of the article is she's come out as being um, gay, but what the, that's not yeah, guess, yep. whatever. Um, but what the interesting part and the article points this out is what impact this has in terms of relationship with Challenge Bahrain because Bahrain we know is a pretty interesting um, place to be and they certainly frown upon anything um, homosexuality uh, yeah. yeah so that could be quite interesting to see so she's going to be racing coming up uh, the next couple of weeks well, she's racing good, this week here's a good question how many gay athletes have there been uh, I've got no idea you know like in today's world where all, you know, sexuality is so much more open um, you know, like prominent athletes in the time of the sport. I'm sure, now I'm sure there's some, mm. but like, it's like rugby stars. How many gay rugby players? I think in rugby league, we have Ian Roberts, mm. um, who's, who's openly gay while playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but is it, is it interesting? You know, I'm not quite sure. Well, and uh, I'm sure there's many. I'm the sure. article points out Siri Lindley and she um, was a fantastic athlete. Um, that's the only and one. And was she openly gay when she was an athlete? Uh came out during I'm not sure if it was during or after I, I think it was during because yeah. mm. just, just nowadays it's so accepted now admittedly in some communities and societies maybe not so much but in most western countries homosexuality is not really that much of a problem mm. um, and yeah it's just interesting we haven't seen more athletes coming out mm. yeah and, and it's gay um, what I w- she's only 33 only 33 so but we're going to see her racing in the next few weeks she's going to be racing this weekend and then racing Ironman Tulsa, I think it is as well. Uh, so we'll see what sort of form she is in. If she, if she, how many more years do you reckon she's got? She is, she is, a, she, she is going a, as long as she's only thirty three. But yeah, she's, but she has been athletic, athletic age is very old. Um, let's say another three years, Bevan. You reckon three? Yeah. Well, I think this year is a really interesting year because it seems like ultimately what she's discovered is that there needs to be more to life. Mm. You know, going to study. You know. Who knows if she's been in a relationship? Maybe it's just she's become public with it. But at the same time, it's you know priorities seem to be shifting, and you know you tend to find those people who get to that top level can be a bit one dimensional. Um, not always, but you know it'd be interesting to see what her performances will look like from a betting man. 
Mm-hmm. Putting money on it. So am I. <laughs> okay, um, new sponsor for Conan. We kind of talked about that again last week. You want to add anything to this? No, I just think it's going to be really interesting to see where this product goes and how many people actually sign up for the it. Only, so the only thing I say is it's quite a niche product. Very niche. You know, because even in this article from Wired that you put in the show notes, they're saying it's pretty much, it's, it's I'm in pros, you know, it ain't for your recreational, you know. So for those that don't, didn't listen last week or um, not quite sure, we're talking about Super Sapiens. Um, it is basically measures your sort of blood glucose levels. Uh, as you're training. As you're training and as you're eating. Uh, so yeah, I think it's pretty high level in terms of being able to get a grasp of it and actually using it as an effective tool. So many people go out and get like a power meter and they don't have a clue what to do with this. This is really, really next level. So uh, I'm just interested to see where the, where the product goes, how long it sticks around for and if it does become something that, hey, we all get one later on. But at 130 euros a month um, as, as a subscription, I think how many people are going to jump on that? Interested well, to see. Well, the, the person who's the one who always suffers with nutrition, isn't it? Mm. You know, for that athlete who's just always suffering, this kind of tool would be good. But 130 euro is not cheap. Mm. You know, and yeah. we're going into that subscription world, aren't we? Oh, everything is. Everything's subscription now. You know, and so it's kind of, it's it's yeah, it's hard when you're a consumer because you, you know you, know, you, you just want to try stuff, don't you? Mm. Yeah. Um, I mean, UK's dropping 1,000, 100,000 K. And this is sort of tied in with uh, the new sponsorship from Super Sapiens is a number of races have got a lot more prize money in them. And one of them is Ironman UK, which is kind of kind of lost its mantle for for a long time just sort of it was it, definitely like a third tier race wasn't it it was yeah. getting pretty much no prize and you'd, you'd, you'd normally get just a couple of a couple of pros racing you know and they were typically the, the British pros you know Lucy Gossage or maybe a Joe Skipper or somebody like that would do it and the field would not be super super deep um, but yeah this year it's going to have 100,000 prize money 15,000 for first dropping down to 1,000 for 10th so good on them and go you know, Ironman UK it sounds like I've never been to Ironman UK but it sounds like it is a really great race great atmosphere and uh, it'll be even better this year with a with a strong pro field well one, th- one thing I wonder about this race John because we know how much the Poms love triathlon it's, it's a big triathlon community bloody successful in the pro level um, maybe not so much at Ironman level you know they recently you know you got Joe Skipper but you haven't had like Kona winners mm-hmm. but um you know, it's amazing Ironman haven't devoted more to this race over the years. You know, you think Germany, Kona, what's other big races? Well, I think that's the thing. And there's so many races in Europe. But I think the reason why Ironman UK is going to get a bit of a leg up here is they it's a mid- mid-season race. It's on the 4th of July. And a lot of the European races have shifted to sort of September, October time. Um, so this is going to be, you know, this is going to be a massive build-up race, you would think, for those that are going to be doing Kona um, because there's a lot of the big Ironmans aren't happening. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating, isn't it? I, I, I just kind of think that, you know, when you think of countries that love the sport, mm. you know, UK probably should have been more of a prestigious race in the long term. Now, maybe fingers crossed for the extra prize money, you know, surely they'll draw up a good field. You'd think so. Yeah, especially mid-season in, in Europe. So mm. lots of good athletes should turn up. Okay, PTO continue to put money into big events and offering, also providing media and marketing support. And we were talking about Rev3, what happened to it? And then suddenly this appeared. Yeah, so Rev3 Williamsburg getting um, a leg up from the PTO along with the Subaru, or Subaru Chase in Canada, Challenge Dansk and the Spanish Long Distance Tri-Champs. So I think part of it is they're putting money into these events but also giving them media coverage. So... PTO continue to just 
money's rolling out all over the place, but it's great that they're supporting the pro athletes because they must be suffering at the moment. Um, one other thing that PTO have done is uh, they've appointed IMG as the international media consultant. So it's a multi-year deal covering distribution and media rights for the Collins Cup and uh, future PTO-owned events and more broadly helping the PTO devise their long-term media sort of strategy and distribution. So IMG was like the first sort of sports marketing company. Uh, So I think this is quite significant in terms of actually, you know, Collins Cup might be fantastic, they're racing, but it's like you can have the best thing in the world, but if you don't get it distributed properly, um, so by getting them on board, that could be, you know, massively important in terms of getting that event out because we know... On the day, Collins Cup, how many people are really going to watch it? We'll have our niche triathlon people, yeah. but what they need to do is make sure that that show then gets put on every airline around the world so people in, in the mainstream are going to watch and, and get it on mainstream TV, and that's where hopefully IMG can help. How do they package it, John? That's the real question. You know, I was listening to Russell Coots on um, Martin Devlin's show the other day, and he's doing a sale with GP. Have you seen any of that? I just saw the highlights on the news. It, it looks, looks amazing. It looks amazing, doesn't it? And, and he was just talking about... You know, so Sail GP, if you don't know, it's basically the foiling boats. Kind of, if you know much about the America's Cup, it's kind of a smaller version of that. But they have, instead of just race one on one, they have like eight boats in a race. It looks like absolute carnage. <laughs> but they, and they've basically got all the top guys in the world, mm. and every boat's identical. Mm-hmm. So you, it's not like Formula One where you can tweak your car. Everyone gets the same boat. So it's just who's the best sailor. Although at this stage, I think they're learning how to row through. Yeah. Um, but he's just saying, you know, Sail GP works really well as a TV thing because basically they do a 15 minute race, mm-hmm. five minute break, 15 minute race. So they can just pop out races. So it's a really good TV kind of package. Um, Super League's a great TV package. Mm-hmm. How do you package Collins Cup? Well, it's a, it's a documentary style. You've got to tell stories, isn't it? I yeah. mean, you'll, you'll hopefully get some amazing racing, um, and I'm sure we will, but it's about telling those stories, and, and that's what PTO are doing at the moment, and I would encourage people to go to the PTO website and their YouTube channel. If you're looking for content, that's all they're trying to do, tell the athletes stories, see them training, seeing all the hardships they go to, to get there, and then you've got that, you know, Europe versus America versus the rest of the world, um, so that, you know, they just want to, they need to be building stories and uh, that's how I guess they'll, they'll hope it works. Yeah, I'm really fascinated to see the package. You know, because they're just talking about how attention span of fans is so small nowadays, mm. and even the NBA are putting out just fourth quarter packages, mm. you know, just basically the last part of the game because the, the, the attention of the fans and this kind of, you know, phone world we live in mm-hmm. um, is a real issue for, for sports. And so then we're trying to, you know, it's different if there's a legacy of a sport. Like tennis, although how many people yeah. watch a four-hour game of tennis? I don't watch a four-hour game of tennis. No, I wouldn't even watch. Oh, I can't remember, but I'm still interested in the results, and I like yeah. watching the highlights. Yeah, I think I've watched. I watched one game of tennis in the last ten years, mm-hmm. and it was it was like a Wimbledon or something. Um, anyway, uh, but yeah, it would just be interesting. I'm just really curious to see how they package it in a way that people outside our world would be interested in it. It's interesting times. Okay, uh, let's talk about coming up races. We've got uh, 70.3 field for George has been announced. Yes, so this is on this weekend, and this is the North American Championships, which means uh, extra prize money, um, but it has got a stellar field. We should see some awesome racing here. You've got Lionel Sanders, Magnus Ditlev, Sam Appleton, Rudy Von Berg, Sam Long, Ben Knute, um, Peter Hemerick, uh, although he raced last weekend, um, Matt Hansen, who is just running up a storm. I can't believe I know you guys talked about Ironman 70.3 Florida, and he just consistently is laying down these 
awesome run splits. Uh, this is a gigantic field and very strong. You know, you got the winner from Florida seventy point three, who uh, Bart Arnotts, and he's said seventeenth. Uh, you got David McDemey, he's down at fifty third. Yeah, at twenty sixth. Then you got Ben Hoffman at twenty one. Mm. This is a st- look at it. it goes, it goes. 70, 73, 75 deep. Mm. So it's going to be uh, an awesome race. What always concerns me when you see a deep, strong field like that is, you know, oh, it's going to be a bit of a draft fest, but the course over there is really tough, very up and down. And even if they stay together, the damage the strong bikers can do can sort of change the outlook for the for the run. Um, Lionel, Lionel Sanders, we, we started writing him off a few years ago when he had that sort of broken pelvis and we were going, oh, is he, is he done? And he came back and had a pretty couple of average races. He is just caning it. And if you took... If you so same old story, if you took Jan Fredino out of the picture, he's you know will he will he go down as one of the best who never won Kona? Yeah, um, although he hasn't he's only one great Kona. Yes, true. You yeah. know, so you you know he's not a Raylert level. Yeah, you know, like if you're going to go the best who haven't won Kona, Raylert's by far well mm. arguably the number one. Sanders needs you know either needs to win it or he needs a couple more podiums because mm. only one podium, hasn't he? Pretty sure, or top yeah. three at least. Yeah. Um, Magnus, I don't know Magnus. Uh, so he's he's done very well in the big challenge races. So the ones on the racetracks, he's okay. done done well at them. Uh, so a bit of a bit of a weapon on the bike, and in uh, the female racing, it's forty athletes. Yeah, so we should see some also see some awesome racing there. Daniela Reef, can't wait to see what she can do uh, against Holly Lawrence and Paula Finlay. So those are your probably your three. Probably your three best 70.3 athletes in the world. Daniela Reef has shown many, many times. Holly Lawrence has shown, uh, you know, many times been a world champion. Paula Finlay won the race in Daytona. So awesome for those three. And there are plenty of others in the mix as well, like Sky Monch, um, Jenny Metzler, Jackie Herring, Sarah Crowley. Yeah, I mean, again, we can name names like Lindsay Corbin's ranked 17th, Carrie Lester 16th, um, Angela Nath. Uh, so high quality field should be awesome racing and on an awesome course so we should see the best athlete win on the day okay oh, there's, uh, there's also the live coverage is returning this weekend the facebook, facebook coverage yeah. so uh, hopefully they'll do a fantastic job of that and we get to see some awesome racing john's on to your updates it's only a few weeks till we've got the first round of the itu series in yokohama it's going to be great i think it's going to be a huge race because a lot of countries haven't done their selections for the Olympics and this will probably be their number one selection event. So uh, I think it'll be awesome to see the front of the race, who's going to be on form leading into the Olympics, um, but also the racing for every single place is going to be absolutely critical. And we had a race last weekend as well. The Frenchies are already crushing it. Leo Berger took out an ITU race, uh, and, or an ETU race, a European Union race, in Spain, I think it was, uh, in front of Darian Connix, and then Cassandra Bilgrand won the females race. Did they get a longer period to qualify this year because of COVID? It got pushed out a little bit. Yep. And I, the thing is, it's not so much the the qualifying for the countries. I imagine that's close and yep. more or less locked in. It's the countries deciding who they're actually going to send, um, which it doesn't, you know, you can send whoever you want. It doesn't matter if... If Alex Yee qualified your spot or Johnny Brownlee or Alistair Brownlee, they qualify the country spots, but then it comes down to the country to decide who they want to send. Well, this happened to Leander Cave, didn't it? Leander Cave qualified the country mm. and then they didn't give her the slot. Mm. She was not very happy about that. No. You would be gutted, wouldn't you? You would. And, yeah. and, and I know, you know people are going to argue you've got to pick the best team. Mm. Now, when she didn't get picked, 
Was it was it a domestic or? Uh, I don't I don't recall. But there's been so much controversy on selections over the over the years. Australia take the cake, um, <laughs> and uh, New Zealand have got some major challenges because we've got you know four four or so good females and uh, only two can go and then for our guys we've got three guys probably going for the second spot and so uh, wild's in oh he'll definitely be in and who's but, who's but then you've got taylor reed and probably probably taylor reed and sam ward um we did have ryan sissons previously but who would you pick well, you probably got to say we've got a slightly better chance in the relay, so you'd probably go for Taylor Reid. He's better in the relay. But Why is probably, he better in the relay? Because oh, he's a weapon swimmer, so okay. he can dig you out of a hole, yep. whereas the other guy is probably going to, um, Sam Ward, is probably going to have a higher finish position. So you have to race in the, the, the Olympic distance mm. to be in the relay team, do you? Mm, you can't uh, have a different person for different... Uh, uh, yeah. The, yeah, okay. So, so it will be Reid, won't it? Mm. And that's where um, yeah, potentially Alistair Brownlee might be a better pick than... Alex Yee for the the Great Britain team because he can pro- he's possibly a little bit. Oh, better so you don't think Brown. he's going to be picked? Sorry. So it'll be Brownlee and they're both Brownlee boys. Probably that's the big debate. Yeah, and, I don't, and I don't Alex Yee won't make it. Quite possibly. I'm pretty sure they've only got two slots. Who would you pick? Well, surely Yee's got a better chance of a medal than Brownlee. Yeah, I would. I would. It's tricky because Pommy Gills are so good in the teams as well. Mm, a lot of countries are good in the teams. So the, the Brits probably won't feature a medal, I don't think, in the team. Oh, they'll be they'll be in the mix, but there's a couple other countries that are a bit better. Than so the wait a second. So you're you're a selector, John Newsom, mm. the Pommy UK selector for triathlon. You got to pick right now. Who are you picking? Well, Johnny Brownlee's already picked, and if I had to pick between Ye and Brownlee, uh, Alistair Brownlee, I would probably go to Ye. I think just on the off chance that if it all comes together. He's probably the fastest runner in the whole, whole, whole sport, and if he can bust it out, you know, I'd probably go for him. But it's like go either way. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. That's mm. a real yeah. Because I don't think Alice hasn't done enough. Alice Brownlee will get a medal in the individual race. I wouldn't be surprised if he snuck a bronze or something like that. But that would be like sneaking in the back door. I think. Well, and unfortunately, we haven't seen him race because there was a period where he came back and he actually had some good results again. We're like, oh, okay, mm. you know, like. 18 months ago to a year ago, we we're like, mm, can't really see. It. He might turn up. He's just making the numbers. And then he had a couple of races. Like, okay, well maybe. But haven't, we haven't heard a lot about his racing. Well, there hasn't been any racing, anyway, so I'm, I'm a bit surprised. He Is he racing this weekend? Uh, that one's in a couple of weeks' time. I'm sure he'll have to be on that start line if he wants to make the Olympics. And will it be whoever wins that race goes to the Olympics, or is it selection? You'll have to ask the UK selectors. Well, I made you the selector. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if it comes down to that race. Jeez. I reckon that they'll, they'll probably go Brownlee. You if it was all? a selection, yeah. Why? Just because of the... I, I just think they would. The experience? It's probably slightly less risky, maybe. But then you build to the future. Mm. You know, because Brownlee, Brownlee didn't win in his first Olympics, but he got he did pretty well in his first Olympics, didn't he? Yeah, I think he was 10th-ish. Yeah. So, you know, and, and that was a great move because it gave him a great experience. And mm-hmm. then he came back and won the next two. Um, do you go, Brownlee's not going to get us a medal. Mm-hmm. He's, he's probably a higher chance of a medal. Mm-hmm. And he's the future. Yeah. Exactly. I'm picking. I'm picking you. All right. Yep. So there's controversy in the UK Silicon <laughs> team. <laughs> uh, anything else to add on the? Uh, I you guys talked about Super League as well. That was on. The did, I wouldn't watch last. it. Did you watch it? I know, but looking at the weather out there today, I may well be watching it today because <laughs> I'll be on the trainer in the garage. Oh, it's soft. It's not that cold, mate. It's freezing. It's like God, the way you're talking about it. People think the world's ending. It's snow's coming down. No. Frost just about drove off the road. No, <laughs> it's not that cold. It's five degrees apparently. <laughs> 
Uh, okay, uh, hot topic of the week, and I came up with this one. I thought it was a good one. What <laughs> was the listeners didn't? <laughs> oh, do I not give me feedback? No. Okay. Uh, what was the best fashion era in triathlon? And so I uh, actually will go into my bits in a, in a moment. Uh, so in terms of comments, they were yeah, can't go past the eighties. Says uh, Lynette and Tini. You keep talking because I'm still pulling it up. Marcel, oh, there's a picture there. God, that's horrible. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh, She's posted a picture of people in these like gold coloured tri suits that aren't fitting particularly well. And the guy's got a big uh, mullet and a big uh, moustache. Uh, Marcel Van Kempton, 1990s, everything fluoro. You could uh, do an entire Iron Man in Speedos without shrinkage. Okay, I'm going to say Simon Underwood, no one, I mean, no one will ever be Kenny Kaboom Sosa. Sosa? Sousa. Sousa. Not strictly triathlon, but close enough. Seemed a super nice chap too. Met him twice, two years apart, and he remembered me. Now that's a good effort. It is. Melina said Sousa. Yeah, and Sousa, you, you want to listen to him? We did a Legends of Triathlon podcast yeah, did, with him at some stage. Um, he had, he had uh, yeah, the Book fashion. Glasses. He had the glasses, but then he had this massive mane of hair as well. Yeah. That's what sort of set him apart. Yeah. Rosalind Hull, uh, triathlon and fashion in one sentence. You're either on an illegal substance or dehydrated. Have a sports drink. Good old uh, John Weir has got Kenny Sousa aside. I loved Mecca's sponge boobs around 15 years ago. And that, that's, if you don't know that story, the first time Mecca won Kona, he had all the sponges, he'd been putting them down his top. top. So his finish line photo. Hits and breasts. <laughs> and then when he did the second one, he stopped. He threw the sponges out. He zipped yeah. up his top and then walked across the line with his hands pumped. Yeah. He said, I'm not getting that photo again. Uh, Johnny Fallis, there is no good triathlon fashion. Oh, come on, Johnny. Uh, Chris, I'm going to say Scrader. Uh, this one he said well he didn't actually then post anything but yeah. then he said uh, and see triathlon babes Facebook page so I did have a quick look at that and it's basically I don't know how many of them are triathletes there's a lot of females and scant, you know scantily what? clad Instagram and they, they have that now they're running babes and it's basically just soft porn yeah it ain't good uh, Pierre Pike Ryan's got uh, either die uh, try die tie dyes tie dyes or uh, cow horns key and shriek and he's got a photo here somebody running with cow horns on the head uh, Ken Shrika Moolah. Oh, there you go. That is good. So, yeah, that was the, the feedback we had from this week, Bevan. And <laughs> so I'd say break, you break the errors down. You're asking which era had uh, the best triathlon fashion. So I came into the sport in uh, 1991. But in the 80s, from my perspective, it kind of looked like it was early 80s kind of DIY gear because yeah. it wasn't really triathlon gear around. You're kind of just getting a running singlet and shorts and just making it happen. And we even talked about it with Melina. Melina wore running gear mm. in Kona. Mm. You know, and him and him and probably Alan were the last guys to have running gear at the finish line. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then it kind of morphed into fluoro. So as, as I sort of came into the sport, then then it was sort of the fluoro brigade. And but we got to remember in the eighties as well, bare torsos were allowed. So you could just a lot of guys were just doing races in, in speedos. Um, then you got into the nineties, and that was the, the the fluoro era, especially the early nineties. Um, and it was very much speedos and singlets and tri suits. Like you, an outcast if you wore a tri suit, if they existed. John Hellman's was one of the first to actually sort of try to go down that route, where he actually wore a pair of women's uh, swimming togs at oh, uh, at a world champs one year, uh, and he looked pretty. <laughs> 
pretty odd. <laughs> is there photos of that? Oh, yeah. There is definitely photos of that. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, guys were in Speedos and singlets. Females were in just uh, swing togs. And by the norm, there was a few outsiders that did different things, but that was the norm. Um, and then that sort of changed a bit when Whitfield, Simon Whitfield won the Sydney Olympics and he was wearing a tri-suit then. And most of the athletes were still wearing singlets and, uh, and Speedos. Because you don't really see that at all now, do you? Same no, speedo combo. No, not hardly at all. Yeah, who was it? By um, Ferris Al Sultan was gone to the, the last legend of that. Mm. You still see a few wearing sort of tri shorts and a and a, and a and a tight singlet. But I like that. I like that. You know, John's got a photo here. I like that high singlet. The old high singlet. Show your abs off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then into the 2000s, that was very much the era of the tri suits coming in and uh, started out a bit shabby and then they've just got better and better. And, and as Bevan said, that's very much the, the norm now. And then into the 2010s, uh, then that was when we kind of started to get the sleeved tri suits that came into, into fashion. Oh, yeah. And, and that's sort of now become the norm for pros and, and more and more age groupers. You know, they were, they were initially banned. And, and I remember doing the Kona 70.3 one year and Crowe rocked up to do it. And and he got disqualified. He won the race, but got disqualified because he had uh, a sleeved tri suit on, and I think he wore it in the swim. I think you could wear them, but you couldn't wear them in the swim, and so he got disqualified What's for that. What's the argument there? I don't know. It was just a random rule they had. Uh, it said I think it couldn't be below your your shoulder. And mm. uh, anyway, he got disqualified. I think he wore wore it and then wore like a swim skin under the over the top. So he got no advantage, but. The rules down, you've got to enforce the rule. And then the 2020s, you know, I'm thinking maybe we'll start to see maybe a bit more built-in technology coming in as we sort of move move forward. Um, so, yeah, those are, those are the kind of me breaking the errors down. I've posted a picture on our little show notes so Bevan can see us racing in France. That was 1998. Could I say Crowe had a bit of a gut on him? <laughs> you know? It was the end of the season. So yeah. The picture here was at the very end of the season. So, here. so, so basically they're wearing Speedos in the, in the high... Horrible speed, horrible high-cut Speedos. And then, and then high-cropped singlets as well. Yellow with orange and white. They were And you all look pale as. Yeah. You aren't a good advertisement for this outfit. No. Newsome looks like Frodo. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then Crowe looks like he's had too many beers. It was the end of the... So this, this was a race at the end of the season. And uh, so you had a whole four or five months of eating French baguettes and French yeah. pastries and uh, yeah that was okay that was, so we've got Bevan Crowey who else is in this photo uh, we've got a guy called James Beach who lives in the North Island New was Zealand. he good yep he was he was a good runner uh, and then a guy called Mark O'Donnell he raced quite a bit of ITU sort of stuff and I think he probably had maybe a top 10 as a junior almost or there or thereabouts and then another guy Chris Lee um, Chris Lee's not Chris Lee the Ironman guy but he's an Aussie dude and then Bevan Doherty. Why did Bevan Doherty, why was he allowed different speedo bottoms? Uh, I think his is sort of, they've just got a different colour. Maybe they were using the end of the material for his <laughs> pair, I'm not quite sure. <laughs> uh, so it wasn't a greatest uh, discussion well, I, I topic. Think, I think when we think about fashion, but, you know, like, because it is, I think the coolest eras are the ones that are kind of out there. You mm -hmm. know, because when I was in, it was kind of the Orca era. Remember when Orca was the big yeah, thing? Yeah, it was just sort of black and white. Yeah, and it was all very mm -hmm. plain. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but you kind of think like the, the late 80s, early 90s, mm -hmm. the big glasses, big mm -hmm. colours, you know, like you look back on it and it's kind of tragic, but it's memorable. Oh, totally. and, and in some ways, I kind of think now we can back to that a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. like shoes are kind of cool. Those big glasses are really in right now, you know, and I think you'll look back on this time and you'll, this will be a bit of an out there time, but in a cool way, you know, like... I don't think it's a bad thing. There's so much variety now. So you have yeah. people going for the sort of the retro look or you have the people going for the, what I find pretty, the, the really different coloured, yeah, really 
out there, fluoro and all sorts of different things. So, and you still occasionally get people going in, in speedos uh, and singlets these days as well. So, lots of variety out there, which is great. I never wore one of those outfits. I kind of wish I had. Speedos I was pretty mean. I was pretty mean and lean back in those days. It's, so my first stuff was in the nineties, and that was definitely fluoro, and that was a fluoro pair of. Um, speedos and then did you think you were shit hot oh yeah and then the, the tops you know because the, the tops hadn't rev- it was kind of like the meshy front but then you had this sort of strip of fluoro down the side it was Scott Tinley stuff because I remember when like, when I first started working at the gym we kind of wore similar clothes we wore um, kind of like boxer shorts but they were like lycra boxer shorts so they're mm-hmm. very high pants mm-hmm and then singlets, and we'd often tie up the back of the singlet so you, mm. the front of your gut was shown mm-hmm. because you had mean core. Yeah. And I used to walk around town mm. in the middle of the day with those clothes on, John. Mm. And I thought I was shit. And I'm sure everyone in Christchurch thought, who's this cock? But, but I thought <laughs> I was. still do the same. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I thought I was cool. I admittedly had the body to pull it off, but I don't know if it was that cool. Observation from the weekend, when did a running race and Belinda came along, she was actually running as well. What race was this? Uh, it was just like these re- the re- Hagley relays oh, yeah. in Hagley Park. And she said a lot of the guys these days are wearing, and these are runners, uh, they're just wearing um, wearing bike pants. You know, not bike pants, oh, but you know, yeah. tight pants rather than running shorts. So I think that's a change in the, in the running scene. Guys are moving towards that and the girls are moving to very short hot pants um, when they run. Yep, they're very good. Okay, uh, this week's discussion. Uh, tell us what's the best. What was sorry? To, tell us about the best race in your area that is no longer a branded. Oh event. no, no, just not a big branded event. Okay, uh, what makes it good? Feel free to share a link and a picture. So we just want to hear about in your local area what's the race that it's a go-to race. It's not an M dot or a challenge or something like that. Okay, John, let's go sponsor. Just a quick update, really. It's not a big sponsor plug, mm. but but from uh, UCAN, they've changed their promo code. So if you're in the US and using UCAN, apparently the I Am Talk promo code got picked up by one of those sort of trolling sites that does all the coupons and things like that. Uh, so oh, did it? Yeah, so now that... Our, our logo got done. That one did, did it. Yeah, so now they've changed the promo code to I Am Talk 2021. So if you want to go get yourself some UCAN uh, in the States, that still gives you 15% off on the UCAN I website. Say, I do use those promo sites. Yeah. I always, I always go, this is like a discount. Yeah. <laughs> go have a look. Oh, yep, that gives me 10%. It's, it's worth doing. Uh, we're going to do a pause. We're back, so we're going to say Coaches, Coaches Corner. Corner. We've got a question here from good old Neil Flashheart Thompson. He's just got uh, two questions. First of all, how far from a race do you recommend increasing your training in the TT position? And then secondly, are all watts created equally? Do the same watts at 100 RPM equal the same watts at 80 RPM? Obviously, the output is the same, but uh, do I have a 15 to 15% difference in BPM and my cadence, discuss. Firstly, I'll say that's a great nickname that we came up with you. That is, Nick. Flash Heart. Flash Heart Thompson. Where does Flash Heart come from? Lord Flash Heart. Yeah, from, from Blackadder. Um, oh, okay. Remember Blackadder? So yeah. there's, he came up twice in the show, once in the early seasons, but then Blackadder goes fourth. Mm. And he has this fight with Adrian Edmondson, and Adrian Edmondson's a German. And, uh, <laughs> and Adrian Edmondson does this big speech. You know, we have waited for this moment to come together. And it goes on for, and he just shoots him and goes, this guy talks too much. That <laughs> 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 was brilliant. Very good. So question number one, how far out from a race do you recommend increasing training on yeah. the, the TT position? And I think a lot of you guys in the Northern Hemisphere are going to be grappling with this position as racing starts to happen. To have a few people racing at the weekend, it, it, racing is starting to happen in different parts of the world. I know in other parts, definitely not, but uh, good to see it happening. Generally, I say once you're into that, 
the main race build up and I'll say this time and time again about 16 weeks out is when you sort of probably be going, moving to more balanced training where you're doing swimming cycling and running in a fairly balanced way prior to that you might be focusing more on one of the individual disciplines or depending on where you're coming from it might be it might be a longer build up but I'd say to answer your question Neil from 16 weeks out you'd want to be doing probably two dedicated sessions where you are spending fairly long times in your TT position so that might be for example your long ride you're going to have a component fairly long components in there and then you might have a midweek ride that might be 90 minutes where you're spending the majority of your time in that TT position um, so I'd say two, two times a week from 16 weeks out would be sufficient what you do want to factor in though is firstly are you comfortable um, and if you're not try to figure out why that is. Is it actually the position? Is it your, a flexibility related issue? Or is it something else? And <clears throat> if it's one of those things where you've tried all sorts of different positions, um, tried lots of different things, you've worked on your flexibility, but you still can't maintain that TT position for really, really long periods, or you get really sore and uncomfortable in the latter parts of the ride, is try to start working on a strategy now where it's going to make it more sustainable to be aero for as long as possible so instead say for example the Ironman bike ride is going to take you six hours um, if you found in the past you might get four hours in and then the last two hours you're having to sit up for really long periods really struggling feeling uncomfortable and then it's going to start impacting your run try to have a bit of approach where early in your bike ride you actually go instead of trying to be aero for four hours and then not aero for two, I might get into some sort of cycle where I might go every 20 minutes I'm going to sit up for one to two minutes and try to just ease that any tension that you've got. And by that way then you might be aero, you know, for, for 50 out of 60 minutes every hour but you're not having that whole last two hours where you're not aero and mentally it's you know really challenging when you're going through long periods where you can't be aero. A, you're not going as fast as you could be but me mentally it's just tough when you're just battling against so many different things so you're saying 16 weeks out is when you spend a lot of time getting your TT is it something that they should be thinking about you're still going to spend some time in TT for the rest of the year oh yeah definitely yeah yep. um, but a lot of you know we're kind of fortunate in Christchurch because we can ride year round so we don't necessarily think about it the same way as others yeah. do whereas countries which have a harsh northern uh, harsh winter they're on the trainer a lot of the time or <clears throat> on road bikes cross bikes mountain bikes whatever it is so definitely from 16 weeks out but as Bevan said prior to that you still want to be spending time on your, your ideally on your um, TT bike you know at least once a week or so yeah um, any other tips on that all right, that'll, that'll do for the, for, the, for the sort of TT position and then what's created equally so you know th does the cadence make a difference to um, so what you got to factor in here is cadence is a, is a trained effect. So if I, you know, f for me, my cadence normally is around about 90-ish, a little bit lower for Ironman, a little bit higher if I'm doing like a, a short 20-minute TT. So if I, if, if for, to give an example, if I want to ride 300 watts at around about 90 RPM, that's about sort of my sweet spot. Okay. If you told me to ride 300 watts at 105 RPM, I could do it, but my heart rate would be quite a bit higher. Um, so, 
but if I trained to, to, to do that over a long period of time, I'd probably be able to make it happen. So it is about trying to find that sort of sweet spot. So I guess your question your question's kind of twinfold here is, should I be riding at 80 RPM or should I be riding at 100 RPM? You kind of, the, the, the trade-off I find that is if you go low cadence and you see some athletes doing that and you'll find lots of um, examples, someone like a Daniela Reef has quite a low cadence. Um, I think Caroline Stefan, I'm pretty sure she used to. Yeah. Um, but then you'll equally find people on the other end of the spectrum. Yeah, he was a big um, drugs cheap at Lance Armstrong. Yeah, he'd, he'd ride yeah. at yeah, 100 to 110 yeah. um, quite comfortably. And and so you've got to kind of, I, I try to talk through athletes, is finding that sweet spot that works for you. If you're at the lower end of it, I find that it has a, a negative impact on your run. Um, and if you're at the higher end of it, um, often your heart rate's quite high, so you kind of just got to, work at becoming more efficient so that sort of I try to find people usually gravitate towards that middle ground of around about 90 rpm um, sort of gives you that trade-off where yeah your heart rate especially early on might be a little bit higher but if you train for it um, you should be able to find that that sort of efficiency and then that's going to help you with your your run off the bike does, um, is it, like, does fiber types matter with this yeah it does as well yep you know, there's a lot of force going through when you're doing lower cadence and that's where it gets confusing because if I was to go and ride um, for three hours or so at a cadence of 75 to 80 I'm going to have a lower average heart rate um, but the trade-off in terms of fibre types in terms of the impact that's going to have a lot further down the, 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 the race um, so you've got a short-term gain you think in lower heart rate it feels mentally a bit easier but the cost that you're going to pay later on is, is quite a bit higher okay. so I guess to answer your question then Neil is if you are looking at changing your cadence so you might be a rider that's riding at 80 rpm and you're going i want to try to get it up a bit higher you need to be ready to train that over quite a long period of time and so you go i want to try to ride at 90 to 95 then just incrementally uh, increase it and be ready though for initially there to be a, a quite a bit higher heart rate and your perceived effort will be quite a bit higher you've got to persevere with it and stick with it and it will happen and you also need to do some higher cadence work um, so do some work at say 100 to 120 rpm and that'll sort of help pull your your normal comfortable riding cadence up a bit as well is there, a number, there is no is, perfect answer there is no perfect it's number like nutrition it's like so many different things you've kind of got to find that that sweet spot that's right for you but Bjorn Anderson he had a slow cadence didn't he he did, but then you know he never ran well off the bike, and he was a reasonable sort of runner. Um, he could actually run quite well, but he he was probably because that's seventy yeah. RPM. Uh, he Slow rode motion. very very quick, um, uh, but he didn't never ran well off the bike. Very, because very, back very in the day, he was one of the gurus on the bike. How fast was he riding? Well, these days he wouldn't be no. comparatively. He he his he would have advanced as well. Yeah. but you know, at an Ironman New Zealand. We were going, holy crap! He's riding, yeah, you know, a little bit under, maybe four hours twenty, four yeah. under four hours thirty, and the other guys are riding maybe four forty or something like that. Um, now guys are riding four hours. He, he definitely would have Progress, moved on, yeah. and it's equipment and things have just moved on. But he was a was a beast on the bike. He was had the lowest. He was quite a tall guy, and he had the lowest aerobars. His aerobars. Oh, we were basically above just his tyres, weren't they? And, and he was able to do it because he was a really big guy. Yeah. So he had a very high seat position and very low at the front end. Um, very strong cyclist, but very, very low cadence. Yeah, yeah. He was a beast of anything. I remember one day we did a, we did the Oxford ride and, and I was a pretty good cyclist, you know. I was, I was, I was probably one of my stronger points. And I, in Christchurch, I could make sure of pretty much all the riders. And him and Buddy Class, we went for a ride. 
and they just took off. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's the next level, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I couldn't even say on the back, you know, like it was just yeah. like, he just, they just had another level. It was awesome. Um, okay, let's, uh, so hopefully that gives you some answers here, Neil. Okay, let's go winger of the week. week. Okay, so this week we're going to pull up the winger of the week. And I'm going to say 42. 42, any particular? Yeah, because that's what we got beaten by by the Melbourne Storm. Oh. The Mighty from Warriors. Yeah. I wasn't that confident going into that game, so but they got smashed. Got yeah. smashed. Where are we sitting in the table, Bevan? Well, we are. I think we're still eighth. So yeah, yeah because a lot of a lot of teams aren't doing that well. So <laughs> and unfortunately, we lost to a couple of teams we probably should have beaten because we could be higher up the table. I'm gonna have a look. You pull up number forty-two. Forty-two. Forty-two is Celi Gutierrez. Uh, Seeley did 16 activities last week, 16 hours and 35 minutes, 5 hours 47, jeepers, that's really balanced, 5 hours 47 swimming, 6 hours and 2 minutes of running, and 4 hours and 46 of biking. That's quite a bit of swimming relative to bike and run, so nice work Seeley Gutierrez. Just going to find out where, she, that's 46 from Bend, Oregon. Beautiful pictures really? um, of uh, the landscapes I presume around your neck of the woods. This week, did a third overall on the, f- the tree farm, Luke Clockwise, 18 minutes and 51 did you seconds. Go? I can't see your name. Uh, well, we look hard. Oh, you went, 40, you went 43. <laughs> did I? But we'll give it to her. Uh, we'll give it to her. Part of the uh, Cupcake Cartel, which is Callum Millwood's sort of team. What's um, he up to now? Is he still racing? Well, they, 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 it was genius what they did. I mean, they, they did a... a, a probably one season of sort of interviews and funny interviews yeah. and a few other bits and pieces and he's managed to sort of hold on to that cupcakes uh, theme they don't do any anymore and they've just got a, a team uh, he recently had a little baby and so is he still racing no not that uh, not that i've seen anytime soon uh so yeah they're just kind of looking after their team so Celie La in the last four weeks has been averaging five runs per week. Nice, good consistency. Uh, averaging six hours, ten per week the last uh, four weeks. It beats my average of 16 minutes. <laughs> and uh, swimming averaging four hours, 44 a week, which it beats my 14-minute average for the last little period. So, Celie, you're totally taking me to the cleaners, but that's not particularly hard right now. Listen, Bend, Oregon, looks beautiful. Mm. Nice work, Celie. You are our winger, winger of, the of the week. week. We've also got pro of the week. So, pro of the week, who are we looking at this week, Jumbo? Well, I thought just because uh, I had a bit of a breakthrough, well, not necessarily a breakthrough race, but a really solid race uh, last weekend in, at Grand Canary is a guy called Nick Castellane. He's probably more famous <laughs> Rather than his race results as being Jan Fredino's loyal training partner oh, for, okay. for many, many years. Is he? And Australian? just to be one of those guys, he's had a few good results and he's clearly a weapon, but hasn't been able to string it together. But he had a great race last weekend. He has won Ironman Switzerland in the past. Uh, he's 33 years of age, so probably pretty similar to, no, Fredino's probably a bit old in that, isn't he? 38, isn't he? Is he? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he's five foot ten inch, and this is a great thing about the professional triathletes organisation. Has all this information on him. He's currently ranked 89th on the PTO list. Uh, he's from Mudgee, Australia, um, but currently resides in Girona in Spain, which I think he calls home. Uh, and as I said, he 
has just these random results here and there, and then doesn't have that many good ones, but he has won Switzerland. Um, he has won the Alga Classic Triathlon in Germany in 2019, his favourite event. He had a bunch of podiums. Uh, I know he was, I think he was leading out of the last challenge race as well, uh, the one they did in Miami, but just wanted to highlight a really good race at the weekend. He has been at this game for quite some time. I looked up his ITU career, and he first started racing all the way back in around about 2010 I think it was so let's have a scroll back so yeah February in 2007 he did the under 23 Oceania Championships finished 26th uh, and then he did a bit of duathlon action um, before as well as that did a bit of ITU stuff sort of trying his game at that had some reasonable results in terms of you know, finished like sort of six at the Malula Bar one year, which is that's a pretty solid result. Um, and then yeah, didn't really make it sort of going into the into the two thousands around twenty twelve. He was racing on the circuit quite a bit, but sort of getting you know fifteenth to twentieths. Um, but yeah, he just pulls out this odd. I've got a third at the twenty thirteen Ishigaki ITU World Cup. No seventh. Who did he finish behind there? Let's see who won that race. Twenty thirteen. Ishigaki, that's it. <clears throat> Ryan Fisher won it. He's a good Australian. Yeah. So Nick Castellane, solid athlete, pulls out a good result every now and then. And Jan Fredino's training partner. So, John, one thing I do have to question. Oh, no, no, sorry. I don't, I'm waffling. Uh, he's 39, but he's going to be 40 in Kona. Right. So he turns 30, 40 on the 18th of August. Mm-hmm. So he'll be 40. So he'll definitely be the oldest. What was the oldest winner? Crowley? Yeah, I would have thought so. Yeah, how old was Crow when he won? I'm going to look that up. Oldest Iron Man. And what about female? Because Paula must have been pretty old, or is she still pretty young? No, she would have been, Paula, Paula would have been reasonably, oh, probably Natasha Badman would be the oldest, I'd say. Um, Hawaii winner, I'd say. Michaeli Jones was sort of uh, towards the end of her career as well, but I don't think they wouldn't have been 40. Uh, so oldest, They've just got oldest Iron Man. I want oldest Iron Man winner. Craig... Uh, I, th- I think you'd be right with Craig Alexander I think would be right I mean you might have had others in the early early days so I think he was 38 wasn't he yeah I'd say yeah. that sounds about right yeah so if a Fredino takes it out this year he'll take out that and then on the females I'm not quite sure it's not it's not very obvious from Google but mm. yeah you're probably right Bradman was getting because she kept racing didn't she she did yeah. she kept racing for a long time after her yeah. peak yeah and we're talking winning Kona there'd be lots of examples yeah. of older athletes winning elsewhere but winning Kona I'm going to put my money on Natasha Badman, and I'm going to put my money on Craig Alexander. Somebody else out there is going to know the answer. If you know it, send it through to us. It's good to know. Okay, questions and answers. Lucy Charles, she's dominating the swim. Yes, this isn't really a question. It's just more of a cop. This should be questions, comments, and answers. But I saw um, on Facebook that she swam... 16.46 16.46 for 1500 metres. She went and did the UK British, uh, UK Olympic trials. Just sort of, she'd been building up for a little bit, but still still doing tri training. What would you have to qualify? Uh, I don't know. It was 11 seconds off her personal best. She finished second at a touch. And by a touch, I mean they were both coming over and it was you know, milliseconds wow. that she got beaten out. Uh, she did take it out reasonably aggressively and, um, and was in the lead for quite a long time. And she did a little YouTube clip on it, so if you want to go and see it in more detail. But 16.46 for 1,500 metres. 107s. That is impressive. 107 per 100. 107 per 100. Don't think... How long could you swim at 107 for? I couldn't do one. I mean, back in the day I could. Yep. 
But now it's a bit like the old, if we use the marathon example, yeah. we go, I reckon I could do it for, for 400 metres I could keep up if I trained specifically for it. I could do a 107 if you gave me quite a few months to, to train for it with a dive start, balls to the wall, <laughs> max effort, chundering at the end. Uh, I could probably do a 107, but that would be, a, that would be pushing my limits. What's the fastest? What's it, like? We should do it. How long is like? So how long do you last at the world record pace? Mm. So like, swimming. What would be okay? What's the fifteen hundred world record? Let me search that. What do you reckon? For it's guys. Be? Yeah. Ah, oh, it'll uh, It's it's under fifteen minutes. I know that. Um, I'm gonna say. Four, 1431. Oh gosh, yeah. that was a good guess. That's pretty good. Okay, what's that? One hundred. One hundred would be forty six. Maybe freestyle foot. Oh, you're on fire. Okay, what's 50? Yeah. 50, uh, 50. So 46, you'd say probably 22. No, 20. 20. Oh, 20.9. Yeah. But interestingly, the, 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 most of the records in this is the men's. Yep. Uh, around 2009. So, so the fast ones have set around. Is that right? Well, that may well have been when they had the, the swimsuits. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Short course, oh, then uh, the, was it, is it well, oh, short course, so it's a shorter lap, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so so f- yeah, 1500 meters is yeah, 1430. What about for females? Females, 1500 meters. What do you reckon? But it's Katie, Le- what was her name? Katie Le- Ledecky or whatever. She's a beast, isn't she? So she's yeah. got a world record at 400, 800, and 1500. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to say if Lucy Charles, what she swam, she swam 16.46. I'm going to say 15.50. No, 15.20. 15.20. It's smoking, isn't it? Yeah. That is absolute human excellence. Yeah. Uh, what's the oldest record here? Mm, no, they're all pretty recent. And the females are all pretty recent. But the men's tend to be dominated from that 2009 period. So the 1500 meters, I'm just on Wikipedia, Olympic qualifying time looks like it's, it says OQT, which is I guess Olympic qualifying, qualifying time is 16.32, but then the OST, I don't know what that stands for, 17.01. Anyway, I'm, I'm sure that wasn't Olympic qualifying time by Lucy Charles, but finished second in the UK and only be 11 seconds off her best, uh, I think is pretty impressive. And she made a comment that her swimming now is way ahead of what it was when she was when she set the course record in Kona. So she kind of said, "I'm coming Look out when I'm coming Kona. I'm going to be uh, even quicker this year." Okay, so t- so another couple of ones. What do you reckon the 200 men's butterfly is? Um, 200 men's butterfly. One fifty. <laughs> You're on fire. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, I thought butterfly would be way slower. So the the two hundred free is only eight seconds faster. Yeah, butterfly is a fast stroke. Is a fast stroke. If you can do it. If you can do it. Um, what do you reckon the hundred is? Butterfly. Yeah. Uh, so if it's one fifty, that's fifty five for per hundred. So I'd say fifty forty nine. Yeah, yeah, but then the free stuff. So, so I don't follow swimming at all. So it's only two and a half seconds slower than a, the hundred free. Mm. Jeez, yeah. that's impressive. I reckon it's going to be the hardest race, isn't it? Two hundred for two hundred butterfly is incredibly hard. Yeah, incredibly hard. Like that is the equivalent of 
maybe the 400 meter running race with, with hurdles you feel 400 hurdles yeah. yeah yeah it's a beast of a race let's look at the females so if we go butterfly females uh 201 and then uh for 200 and 155 mm. wasn't that 200 so this is in 2009 wasn't that when the chinese the chinese it was um Lu Jing, I think I'm going to say, mm. when they all had pretty big lats. Remember that? Turtle, turtle, turtle blood. Yeah, yeah turtle yes. blood. That's what it was, turtle blood. <laughs> turtle. Uh, so yeah, that's the problem with the swimming records is... Lots of cheats? Uh, uh, lots of cheats, but also, yeah, they had all the different suits. Oh, I thought the suits were taken out. I thought the records didn't count, but... They might have taken out the ones that had the full length. Like I remember Ian Thorpe swimming in the... I think it was the Sydney Olympics, it might have been uh, Athens, um, when they had the full length uh, suit and that made a significant difference. And we're going to see the same as with these shoes, you know, every flipping world record and yeah. every distance record is getting broken and have you heard of Caleb going to roll with it. Dressel? Dressel? Mm, vaguely. He holds most world records. Really? Ten world records. Four oh. individuals and six relays. Never heard of him. Mm. Mm. And then the females, you've got uh, Sarah, I'm going to say, Shurstrom, uh, holds the most people because six, all individual. No. I don't really follow swimming. I don't really follow swimming at all. Yeah. So. Interesting in swimming, though, they've got this, uh, this sort of pro league, you know, like you've got all the different pro leagues now, and they, uh, you know, like in terms of super league type yep. stuff, and they go around and get the lights flashing, and you've got all this, it's all team-based stuff. It's, um, it's actually... And is it different watch. racing, or is it... Is it yeah, they, they mix, mix it up a little bit, yep. And it's, it's a lot of it's team points, so quite it's quite cool. Oh. International Swimming League, I think it's cool. Well, sports it anyway, doesn't it? Um, okay, that's very good stuff. Okay, and we've also got here John's tip of the week. So as I said earlier, I've had a few athletes starting to race again in the Northern Hemisphere, which is um, which is great. It's been a long time coming, but several of them have pointed out to me a couple of different things. Firstly, it's blatantly obvious how so many athletes have been riding inside for an extremely long time whether that's been forced on you due to covid and then you just stayed in that habit but several commented to me that the bike skills out there were atrocious really? like not just a little bit bad like really really bad and so you really want to be taking a wide um, berth so i would encourage all you guys as much as you love your indoor training you know you can get a really high quality workout is do some riding outside um if at all practical because the riding, the skills you get from that. Especially in a race. Yeah, and just the extra energy that you is going to be required if you haven't been riding outside and you're really twitchy on your bike and a little bit of wind comes in and you don't really know how to react. You know, everything is so easy inside. You've got to get outside and get used to the different conditions. And this would also count if you're going to do some cycle racing. Mm-hmm. Because cycle racing is such a different beast. And, and a lot of people kind of do cycle racing on Zwift now. Mm-hmm. And I think they've you know, drafting, but it, it's different to being a pack. Yeah, you know. So yeah. get outside and riding. And then the other thing they really pointed out um, was the transitions were woeful. And I find this, and I've been doing this sport for donkey's years. First few races back, transitions are woeful. Now, if you're doing Ironman, probably doesn't matter that much. Um, but you might as well get the gains where you can. So practice your transitions. If you, you know, a lot of you guys will be going into short course racing before your big ones come out. Um, so all it takes is. A couple of sessions on, on a weekend, you know, do, go do your Saturday workout and then spend 15 minutes afterwards doing transitions and it'll make a huge difference come race day. And, you know, 30 se- you can easily gain yourself 30 seconds and that can be the difference between a few places. So practice sim- simple stuff, practice your transitions and actually go riding outside. Thank you guys. So let's say a big thank you to our patrons. John, you can go first. Paul, the creator, Yates. We've got Mike, the Farnborough Fox Houston. Houston. And Matthew, the 
Pri- should be the Prince of Pain Holtwick. Well, the price of pain's quite good as well. Yeah, the price of pain. The price yeah. of pain. Um, okay, uh, guys, if you I will say, again, uh, UK, and what is the discount code? Uh, it is I am talk twenty twenty one. Make sure you get that, use it when you go to your discount. Uh, you want to get your show emailed to you down at the front of the top page of imtalk.me, down at the bottom of the page, I should say. Uh, also, become a patron. Just go to that website, go through the process, help the boys, support the show, and you get a little gift along the way for some coaching. You can check out coachjohnnewson for my podcast, bevanjamesiles.com. Uh, for other content, age of the week, call websites, and other feedback, you can. Email us at imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. John, you goss. Weather's clearing up out there, Bevan. Oh, it's tropical. May get that outside bike ride I've been telling everybody about uh, today instead of being inside. So my goss, Bevan, uh, I'm just going into a a nice part of the year where for a long time I haven't had a quiet period, so it's going to be a quiet period over the next few months. You got no camps coming up? No camps coming up, nothing coming up. Oh, I'm going on school camp next week. Where are you going? Um, with Felicity, we're going to a place called Wainui, uh, which is over in the Akaroa Harbour, so that'll be good times. Um, so looking forward to focusing on the coaching side of things a bit more. So I have got a couple of spaces open if anybody's looking for some help with coaching as you go into the season. So that's going to be cool. And um, I was away for a week down in Stewart Island. Yeah, I saw, I saw on Instagram, because you're such an Instagram star, Yeah, you uh, saw a kiwi. We saw a kiwi. So kiwi in the wild. A, nocturn- a nocturnal bird, um, so they normally don't come out during the day, although apparently down there they do. We went out the night before with, you've got to have red lights, you can't go out oh. in the nights with white lights, so um, it's not good for them and they uh, scares them, so you go out with your little red lights trying to find them, we had no luck <laughs> anywhere, and then um, we went to a place called Olver Island, which I'd highly recommend if you go down to Stewart Island, uh, it's just a short boat trip across and it's like a bird sanctuary and we're wandering around, so lots of cool, cool birds and this is the very minute chance you might see a kiwi. Yep. The, the brochure we said said there's only 30 to 40 kiwis on the island. Oh, it's really? It's a reasonable size island. Okay. Uh, and we're wandering along. We're, we had to get back to the boat, and the, my mate's wife and his two girls, well, they were looking under every bloody tree <laughs> imaginable. And, um, and So you're getting, you're getting a bit panicky? We're panicky. We're waiting up at an intersection. Then my wife comes running towards us going, kiwi, kiwi. We ran back and we managed to see the kiwi, which is pretty cool. So that is a once in a lifetime. There's not oh, of course. that many kiwis, not many in New the Zealanders wild. That see a kiwi. I've never seen yeah. a kiwi in the wild. No. You see them sometimes at the zoo, but. And very, not like they were tame. They're not coming to eat out of your, gra- yeah. your hand, but there was nine of us standing around just watching them forage for food. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So that was pretty good. And I'd encourage people to go to Stewart Island. Again, a lot of people in New Zealand haven't been there. It's cool. Why? We did, we did, a, we did a great walk, which was. The least favourite of my great walks. Why? Um, it just wasn't as much variety. Beautiful walk, beautiful forest walk, but it was a little bit samey. Okay. But Jesus, we had to walk through some mud. I tell you what, we had the second day we did 26Ks and the girls did amazingly well. Um, but there was a lot of mud walking. So how long are you walking each day? Well, that one we had to kind of change along. I won't bore people with the stories because there was Thomas bloody... Did I tell you? No. Oh, so we were, it was a week before we are supposed to go. Last, last day of school, second last day of school. Yep. Thomas is getting, uh, had PE and for some reason he had to go back into the changing rooms to get his shoes or something. Somebody opened the door on his foot, severed his uh, toenail off, or the toenail came flying up. He got this, he's got four stitches, had to get his toenail surgically taken out uh, and then had to get like four stitches or something in his toe. Oh no. And so he was out. And luckily I had a backup plan and he had to boat in and one thing led to another and we ended up camping at night 
uh, on the track, which meant a short walk on the first day, and then a really long walk on the second day. Yep. And the ca- the night camping, we just got just the tent just about blew away. Oh really? I had to get out in the middle of the night and repeg the tent. Oh no! Uh, so that was good times. But the Stewart Island the whole Stewart Island experience is is pretty cool. The walk, recommend doing it. But it's not like What's your favorite? the other great walks. The, the, we've done the route burn. That's, that's your favorite. Uh, that's the best so far. I, I did the race. Mm. And I just remember being beautiful, but you're kind of just rushing oh, through. Oh, it was stunning. Yeah. Uh, and then we went to an area called the Catlins, which is also well worth a look. So overall, it was a very good trip. We had some friends who went down there recently. They didn't go to Stuart Island, but they kind of went close to Stuart Island because they went shark watching. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's frowned upon very strongly by the locals. Oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. They, they Why don't they like it? Yeah, it's just cruel to the animals. and or Not cruel to the animals, but it's just they just don't see it as being a. A, a nice thing to do with them, just leave them in their environment. Oh, fair enough. But my, my friends said go. <laughs> but apparently the, the boat ride out, because you, go, go, you jump on the boat, I think you must go down to Invercargill or something, mm-hmm. jump on the boat, and but you get pretty close to Stuart Island, so you brought, you're on the boat for like an hour, mm-hmm. maybe even longer, and my mate, he, he just, he was rough as guts. He thought he was going to die. Yeah. Like he just did not enjoy any part of it, even when he got to the, like I think he went into the sharks for like 10 minutes. Now there, basically you get there in the morning, they say you can stay as long as you want. So you can just jump in and out of the boat, go see the sharks. And um, and he, he basically only got out of the boat, in the water once. Cause he, and he just said, I just, I just felt like I was going to die the whole time. And he just, there's no joy at all in it. There's two, there's two ways to get to Stewart Island. So it's at the bo- very bottom of New Zealand and you go to a place called Invercargill and then you can either fly over. Which takes how long? Which takes 20 minutes. Okay. Um, or you can boat over. And both are renowned for being oh, really? white knuckle rides. <laughs> like if you go on the boat, you almost everybody vomits apparently. <laughs> and then you go on the flight and Because you did the flight. We did the flight and like we were bracing ourselves for the worst. We were going, holy shit. You get in a plane, it's a, it's a 10 seat plane. We had nine of us. Yeah. And um, my mate gets in, my mate's in the front seat. He's like the co-pilot in this plane, and he he it didn't say anything to him. He could have pressed all the dials and stuff. And I did that on the way back. It was pretty cool. You see, yeah. right? this plane is small, <laughs> nine seats, and a couple of the passengers on our flight, a the wives, and not so much my wife, my mate's wife. She was packing herself. Oh, and was it all, all over the place? No, we luckily both ways got an incredibly calm day. Oh, okay. But normally, apparently, it is full. Have on. you ever been on a plane where you thought it's, it's over? Where you've, where you've no. Oh, one time I'm coming into. I've had two. One going to Wellington, and it was so bad that on the news that night they, that night they showed our flight. Mm-hmm. Like that's how bad it was. It was like it was one of the, you think of you know when you've seen on the news where the plane's just. God knows how we landed. That was pretty scary. And then one time coming into Christchurch. We're coming into land, and you, could, you know when you can see the tarmac, mm. and the plane just drops. I'm not quite yeah. sure what happened, but it just drops. And we, I think we actually bounced on the tarmac, and then yeah. they had to fly out. Yeah. It was that scary, and, and like seriously, 30 people were spewing. Like it was, <laughs> like it was just everyone was spewing. And I just thought, oh shit, this is my moment. And it was quite nice because I was like, oh well, this, this is how I go, this is how I go. But, but it was pre- like it was pretty because you're coming, you know, you come and land, and we just see a bucket, a bucket, a bucket, a bucket of air or something. Um, and just, yeah, just the plane just dropped, mm. and yeah, you know, we hit the tarmac, and then they pulled out. But oh my god, it was, it was pretty scary. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, but I was just spewing. The lady next to me spewed a whole bag. and was trying to find <laughs> another bag. Exhilarating at the same time. Oh right? yeah, I'd, get off that I don't plane. mind flying, like because I, I don't have no fear of flying. So I was just think it's a bit of a good roller coaster. Um, yeah, and yeah, there was definitely one of those ones where everyone clapped as soon as we got. Yeah, so I had that. Disappointment. It's a bit like going to Hawaii and you go there and you don't get the win. Yeah. 
And so I felt after these two flights, I was like, oh, I feel a bit shortchanged. <laughs> I was really looking forward to just a white knuckle ride. Is Belinda a good that, flyer? She's okay. See, so yeah. Joe's not. Yeah. And it's funny because Joe loves planes. Because like, we're lucky because Joe will know what plane it is. She loves, mm. she loves all, all aviation, just hates mm. flying. Mm. So it cracks me up. So anyway, it was, uh, that was good times. And back, back now, a bit more motivated, going to set myself with some run targets for Ooh, winter. Like what? Uh, 10K and 5K. What target? And, well, You've I'm talked big games in the past. I've talked big games. I'm thinking if I can get to 16.40 for 5K, I'll be elated. Yep. So, uh, that's what do you think you are right now? Uh, probably 1730 yeah. uh, so it's quite a long way to go did, did a race at the weekend off uh, in a relay and did slightly better than I thought I'd do which was who was in your team nice. uh, we had Nigel and Hayden and Jeff 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 what's Jeff's patron's name can't remember anyway that was that that was our team uh. even had Belinda out there racing right? on the team as well she did really well no you guys uh, uh, no <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're, 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 what yeah, 5k uh, about four, four oh, point. Nice. Yeah, four, four point. Where do you run in the team? I went first, so I get spanked by everybody. Oh, do you? Yep. Didn't get. I did get chipped actually. One chick, not in the first race. But Angie Petty was in the, in the front. She's an Olympic eight hundred meter okay. runner, but she had the winter off, and she gassed me at the pass out. And I thought, oh, she might be someone good to key off, and then I dropped her. But then apparently there was another. There was another female who ran faster than me. Mm-hmm. It's gonna happen more and more. It is going to happen more yeah, and more. Uh, so, Ben, what's been happening in your world? Well, it's been two weeks, John. What's been happening in my world? Jeepers, creepers. Um, we've got this gun here. I told you we've got through a gun. Yeah. So the gun that he's got there is one of these massage guns that you'll probably see advertised all over social media. But it's a, it's a proper one. one as well. It's a good one. Yeah. So try that. Try that. You feel, although you, haven't got, you get the pointy one on it. And yeah. And so... Just go on my ITB. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's got a bit more Ooh, kick to it. it's on the ITB. I watched it. I watched the uh, seminar from the company. What's the gun? Th- Theragun, is it? Theragun or? Ah, oh, yep. Um, and they were saying, because most of the cheap ones, they, they really made the point that, oh, you just hold that button down. Yep. Uh, they really made the point that this is the best because it goes, you have to, for it to be some kind of scientifically proven, it has to move so far. And most of the other ones are only vibration, John. Whereas yep. that one <laughs> moves far Yeah. But, Anyway, we bought it because, because I needed it because post-op. Um, and Joe, the other morning, woke up and like 40 bruises over her body. <laughs> like seriously, and it even lost skin. Yeah. Like it taken skin off her body. I was like, babe, what are you doing to yourself? People think I'm beating you up. <laughs> and it's like, and she, she, yeah, she worked so hard on it that she basically just ruined herself. Almost pulled her calf. So yeah. while you have these tools, you do have to be careful with them. Be careful. Yep. Um, I told you I booked my flight to Australia. Yep, doing that. So it's kind of, yep. that's probably my most exciting thing in my life right now. Mm. My daughter's my daughter's trying to buy her first home mm-hmm. in Cairns mm-hmm. and uh, Cairns. Cairns. Yeah, if you go in Australia, you go say Cairns. Cairns. Yep. Cairns. She, she tells me that too. Um, and so I'm trying to help her, just mm-hmm. you know, give you know advice. Mm-hmm. But it's hard when you're in a different city. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't. You know, oh, that house looks good. So it's not really the same. So I'm trying to be the good parent without mm-hmm. being a good parent. Mm. And outside of that, oh, oh, something else you'll find exciting. Had my first game of Risk. Uh, oh, ironically, on Anzac Day, Thomas said it's kind of fun we're playing Risk on Anzac Day, isn't it? And I was well, like, cause we had Anzac Day, which is our so sort of Thomas played Risk today. Well, no, he just went and bought it the day before with some Christmas money. Uh, Why do you want so to buy risk? risk? Oh, he just likes Risk. Oh, so he does play it. Well, he does now. He's had one game of it or two actually. The only problem with Risk is it can take a while. Mm. But I love risk. And we we're a little bit unsure of a few of the rules. I said, if you need rule advice, go check with Bevan. Uh, well, my mate Duncan. Mm. You, Duncan's one of those guys who uh, rules are the rules, mm. and he knows every rule. Um, 
So there's a few rules I'm unsure of. Uh, but also then... Uh, Got to get Australia. Got to get Australasia. Okay. Try to get Australasia early if you can. Right. Yeah. Try to get... Because when you get Australasia, you always yeah. get the bonus mini every round. Right. And then you can start to build. Yeah. You, you've got to get your continents, obviously, but the, yeah. it's the easiest one to get. Now, it depends on placement. <laughs> you know? If you haven't played Rust before, you've got no idea what we're well, talking Well, so the, I'm sure I've told you this show, it's, it's on the show in the past. I have had the greatest game of Risk ever. Mm. You cannot beat my game of Risk. Right. I was playing a game one night. It was when I was with Raylene. So Raylene and a couple of people were playing Risk. I got down to one man left. So what, just mm-hmm. one man? Mm-hmm. on Madagascar that's all I had right. is. And, and, they, and they all had heaps of me in the rest of the game and I came back and won the game oh, wow. yeah and Raylene it caused big problems in our relationships <laughs> it yeah. may have been the beginning of the end because the way I kept in it was I was like guys come on just let me stay in the game you know yeah. like come on and so then I built and I built and I built and then I started working them all against each other because there's yeah. so many tactics because you can do when you get more than two people you can have like alliances and stuff Mm-hmm. So you can say, okay, let's not take each other on this border. So you do all tricks like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and I, basically, I manipulated the game, so I won the game. Nice. And she just thought that's how I represented her in, in her life. Yeah, but that night was not a good night. But that game, you cannot beat that. One man on one country, you can't beat it. Played another new game yesterday, Pandemic. You played no, it was it good? Uh, we'd, again, the rules booklet was quite short. Yep. And so we found it a bit confusing. We still have gone to swing. We didn't quite get it right, but it's... But then you're working as a team rather than against each other. Oh. So we have a bit of conflict in our family when it comes to board games. <laughs> Some people are a little bit competitive. So who's that? Uh, the males <laughs> and the females just go, this is just stupid. I'm not playing this game ever again. It's quite a common theme. Uh, and, but pandemic, you have to work together to beat the pandemic. And it came out before the current epidemic. What's your favourite board game of all time? Policonomy. Never heard of it. Policonomy? Yeah. Right. What is it? Like Monopoly? It's a souped up version of Monopoly. And why is it souped up? Um, you have, uh, it's kind of a souped up version. It's, it's got government, it's got inflation. Okay. Um, you can take out insurance and this, that and the other thing. I'll see if my set's still around my parents' place. That was a great game. I love games. You'd love it. I love playing games. Nothing better than just sitting around with your mates. Mm. Playing, well, even just card games. I love playing games. Mm. Um, what was the, another question for you about games? What was the other question? Who won? Who won? Risk. Uh, I did twice. Actually, no, because I, well, they, they gave up. I didn't actually win. They gave up. So you will dominate. Wait, hey, if they yeah. give up, you dominate the world. Yeah. Yeah, it can be a long game, but it's very good. Um, okay, I think that's it. I think cool. that's wrap it up. You remember the ending today? I'm Russ. I'm Endo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Oh, I forgot the ending. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go.